0: Welcome everybody. Uh, good evening, I'm Kevin Boyd, I chair the Historic Preservation Commission. Welcome to tonight's celebration. Historic preservation is about our shared heritage. Soon we'll honor uh, the craftspeople and property owners who have gone above and beyond in preserving the physical part of our shared heritage. But as our community uh, prioritizes climate action, I'm reminded that historic preservationists were some of our first climate activists. They didn't call themselves that, of course, they, but they were concerned with both saving our shared heritage, as well as keeping demolition and construction waste out of the landfill, just as preservationists are today. As it relates to climate action, we now have a name for the value of those in value in those old buildings: embodied energy. It's the energy that, uh, that has that exists from uh, that has already been spent in transpor- transporting materials to that site and construction of that building. There are great advantage- advancements in technology for new building as it relates to climate action. Um, but none of those buildings start with embodied energy. We simply can't build our way out of a climate crisis. We have to preserve, reuse, adapt, and reimagine our existing built environment. And preservationists have understood this for decades. Tonight, we celebrate preservation because it's the right thing for climate action, but it's also the right thing for our heritage, the same values that our the previous uh, preservationists have been valuing for a long time. So let's honor the stewards of these buildings, the craftspeople who worked on preserving them, Congrats to you all, these are some exciting projects. One quick bit of housekeeping though, um, after we present the individual properties uh, that are being recognized, we'd ask that each owner, any consultants, contractors, carpenters, designers, painters, masons, material suppliers, really anyone who's getting an award, um, to come to the table in the front of the room to receive, um, to receive the awards. Um, and with that, I'll introduce Maeve Clark with Friends of Historic Preservation.
1: Thank you, Kevin, and thank you all for coming tonight. My name is Maeve Clark, and I'm the current president of Friends of Historic Preservation. If you look on your seat, while well, you're sitting on your seat, if before you sat on your seat with your program, there's also a membership card for Friends of Historic Preservation, if you're interested, and I hope you are. The Friends of Historic Preservation was established in 1975 as Friends of Old Brick. Who here remembers that? Oh, great, good to protect the First Presbyterian Church and to prevent it from being raised. The group was successful, yay, all those people who did that, and the the church building lives on as old brick. In 1988, the organization turned to broader issues of historic preservation and its name changed to Friends of Historic Preservation. In 1999, um, following what Kevin had to say about saving old buildings, one of the Friends' most influential activities began. The City of Iowa City was looking for a group to take over its architectural salvage operations. In the summer of 1993, the salvage barn opened. Another question, how many of you have been to the salvage barn? Come on, rest of you, next time I do this, everybody's gonna raise their hand. Friends organized organized salvage crews and worked with homeowners to save hard to find materials, and diverted tons of materials from the landfill. Stock also came from donations from homeowners and contractors. We just salvaged a house on Ferson, Ferson Street, and we got all of the flooring, most of the doors, and a lot of other parts of that house. Friends of Historic Preservation also does programming. This spring, we offered a class on how to research your home's history, and we'll be offering that again during the pandemic we were not able to do am i not talking oh dang during the pandemic we were not able to do as much programming so we look forward to doing more in the future we appreciate the ongoing collaboration with the historic preservation commission enjoy the show
2: Hello, Uh, my name is Deanna Thoman, and I'm a member of the Historic Preservation Commission. Each year, the commission recognizes the award-winning work of community members, and I am pleased to announce the projects selected for paint and exterior finishes. And just a reminder, um, after I say congratulations and say your names, come up to the table here and get your awards, and that goes for the homeowners and anybody who did work on the home. When it came time to repair and paint their home at 811 Brown Street, Cecile and David Goading knew their roof needed special care. Their bungalow not only has a jerkinhead roof with a cat slide, but it is also the only house in the Northside district to use individual fish scale patterned metal shingles. Once areas of rot had been repaired along the eaves of the house, the painter used repelling gear to carefully lower himself from the dormer onto the metal roof. He repaired skylights and other areas of rot before painting the special shingles for the first time, likely since the house's construction in 1922. Other special touches included removing all paint from the house's front porch floor to reveal lovely wood. The wood was sealed and newly built handrails were finished to match the porch floor. The Godings note that the project benefited from an on-site consultation between historic preservation staff and the painter. Congratulations, Cecile and David. Are you here, Cecile and David? Please go up to the table if you are. Okay. Moving on. 1802 College Street. In 2007, Leah Clever and Mark Palmberg moved from a small bungalow to a craftsman bungalow, both on College Street, to accommodate their growing family. Leah says, we've always had a passion for old houses and their histories, and when we finally could afford to repaint this home at 1802 College Street, We wanted to pay homage to the era in which it was built. The couple worked with Sherwin-Williams Paint Store of Iowa City to select an earthy palette that complements the home's original brickwork. Corville Painting completed the job. The 1927 Craftsman Bungalow, which has aluminum siding, sits outside of a regulated historic district and is an excellent example of how appropriate colors and careful work can make a historic home shine. Congratulations, Leah and Mark, and Coraville Painting. <laughs> Goodness, Leah and Mark are not here either. What about Coroville Painting? Anybody from there? OK, we'll move along we have 1168 East Court Street. In 2011, Isabel Barbuza moved from a Moffett Cottage to a house on a large lot at 1168 Court Street. The house had been a rental and Isabel spent years remodeling the inside before turning to the outside of the home. Isabel knew she wanted to move away from the white exterior and carefully studied color schemes of houses in her neighborhood. Then, Don McRuary, owner of Celtic Painting in Iowa City, introduced her to a dark gray he had used on another job. After seeing that color, Isabel says, everything clicked. The bold gray and crisp white trim play off the house's powerful prairie influences which emphasize horizontal lines, and Isabel, she recognizes the importance of style in the homes within her neighborhood. She notes, what I love about the architecture of the homes around East Court is the play of horizontals and vertical lines that are so important for the structure and the beauty of the houses. Congratulations, Isabel, and congratulations, Dawn, of Celtic painting. beautiful home Mm -hmm. 606 South Johnson Street is historically known as the McConnell Bristol house Joseph McConnell Iowa City's civic leader and owner of a flour mill, likely had the brick structure built around 1860. The combination Greek Revival Italianate home is considered a first generation house in an area that was served by the railroad, which arrived in 1855. Today, the house is a rental property owned by Ryan and Anna Peterson. The Petersons purchased the home in 2021 when the creme paint on the original brick was in poor condition. The Petersons consulted masonry experts about removing the paint from the old brick, and the experts explained that removing the paint and restoring the brick would be a very difficult undertaking. Instead, the Petersons hired Henry's Painting and Contracting to repaint the exterior a deep, red to match the original brick color. As the paint ages, the surface will take on a more natural, mottled look. Congratulations, Ryan and Anna, and congratulations, Henry's painting.
3: Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Margaret Beck and I serve on the Historic Preservation Commission. Each year, we are pleased to recognize rehabilitation projects that recognize the character of the historic neighborhood and are sympathetic to the original property. The house at 12 Bella Vista Place, known as the Rumley-Davidson House, is a stucco prairie school-influenced four square. It was built in 1910 in what is now the Brown Street Historic District. The derecho in August 2020 damaged the century-old tile roof and custom internal gutters. Owners Dan and Lori Cummins worked with Renaissance Historic Exteriors in Illinois to reconstruct the roof and gutters, keeping as much of the original material as possible. The original Mound City French clay tiles on the roof are unfortunately no longer produced, and they couldn't locate enough on the salvage market to replace the damaged tile. Dan and Lori therefore replaced the roof tiles with the next best match from another manufacturer that has manufactured uh, factory produced clay roof tiles since the 1800s and often provides 19th and 20th century roof tiles for the repair of historic buildings. Congratulations to Dan and Lori Cummins and to the experts at Renaissance Historic Exteriors including historic building specialist Tony Raleigh and client contact Cindy Giardini. Everyone's extraordinary commitment to detail and sympathetic repair made this an outstanding project. This 1939 Moffat House at 1519 Center Avenue in the Dearborn Street Conservation District is just one of two brick Moffat houses in Iowa City that was not painted white after construction. According to local Moffat House researcher Barry Phipps, Howard Moffat salvaged the bricks from an Iowa City school demolished in the 1930s. Owner Chris Carman worked with Tracy Evans and Andy Peck from E.P. Masonry to tuck point and repair the brick exterior including tuck pointing of the chimney stack, rebuilding of the chimney top, and repair and replacement of holes and crumbling bricks on the front of the house. Typical of a quality pointing job, the repair joints are hard to pick out from the others. Mark Pooley of Frontier Carpentry worked with UE Concrete to add concrete steps to the front patio in a compatible color. Appealing as both a design feature and a safety feature. Chris describes the collaborative connection between historic preservation and housing rehab as an example of the best in local government services, recognizing the work of Liz Osborne and David Powers. Tracy Evans and Andy Peck from EP Masonry did a wonderful job with the historic brick, helping to ensure that Moffat's legacy here will live on. We congratulate them, owner Chris Carman, and everyone involved in this successful rehabilitation project. of historic homes are typically aware of how a small project can become a large one. At the same time, a small project can sometimes make a big difference. Oh, and this is the wrong house. (laughs) All right, here we go. All right, so both are the case with this property at 424 Clark Street in the Clark Street Conservation District. The house, built originally as apartments, has been hiding behind shrubs, asphalt siding, and a do-it-yourself stone porch project for at least 35 years. New owners Kelly O'Berry and Cassia Laskowska of Solstice Properties worked with contractor Emerson Andreshock to tackle the main entry. The first part of the project involved installing a new porch floor prior to removing the stone to expose the historic brick porch piers. For the second part of the project, Emerson removed the metal columns and reconstructed historically appropriate tapered wood porch columns and railings. The project used the existing historic porch roof and the existing piers to dictate the location and size of the new columns. We congratulate Solstice Properties and Emerson Schock on their project to support the historic character of the Clark Street Conservation District. cottage at 516 Fairchild Street in the Goosetown Historic District was built before 1900. As a rental property, it had suffered from many renovations and deferred maintenance. In 2017, it was rehabilitated by Iowa City's University Partnership Program, which converted the multifamily dwelling back into a single-family home. When current owner Kathleen O'Neill bought the house, it had been fully repaired on the interior, and much of the insensitive remodeling had been removed. However, the garage still had living space in it, and a roof canopy extended across the front, blurring the line between garage and dwelling. In her renovation of the Breezeway area, Kathleen thoughtfully considered how she could make its appearance more consistent with the historic character of the neighborhood. The results include the permanent removal of the existing canopy. The living space and an unnecessary vents and an AC unit were removed so that the space could be a garage with an overhead door. The breezeway entry was modified to include a small canopy. Now the house and its attached garage fit in well with the neighborhood. So congratulations to Kathleen O'Neill on her historically sensitive renovation. While some rehabilitation projects are smaller, impacting specific areas of a building, others are massive and can transform a house completely. When owners Evangeline Kedera and Louis Kick bought this 1891 Queen Anne at 430 Ronald Street, it is likely that most people in the neighborhood either ignored it or thought it was beyond saving. Evangeline was the powerhouse behind most of the work on the project, in the beginning Everything needed attention. Plumbing, knob and, tube wire, knob and tube wiring, water damage, and asbestos piping insulation. While this led to a massive amount of demolition, not one piece of wood or trim was discarded. Everything that could be repurposed was, and the antiques were matched through auctions, Craigslist, and salvage barns. This was a massive rehabilitation project, relying on Nikki Keck as a consultant and contractor Mark Hartstack for assistance. On the exterior, a rear shed addition was rebuilt, the metal siding was removed, and all of the siding and trim was rehabilitated. The siding removal uncovered special details such as the half-round window in the attic gable. Now the house stands prominently on the corner lot as a proud representative of its neighborhood, the hard work of a dedicated owner, and the fact that nothing is beyond saving. Congratulations to owners Evangeline Jelly-Cadera and Louis Keck, consultant Nikki Keck, and contractor Mark Hartstack. When Julie Hastings and Robert Chemetsky bought 810 Roosevelt Street, it was cocooned in aluminum sap siding, lap siding. Not much was known about its history, and the construction date was a guess at about 1910. After the derecho removed some of the aluminum, their original goal of simply restoring the original wood siding ballooned into what they describe as repairing, replacing, or recreating some portion of almost every aspect of the house exterior. Once the synthetic siding was off, it was clear that Victorian features such as Italianate pediments above windows and doors, decorative details on the front gable, and cornice molding at the roofline were removed probably in the mid-20th century in the course of installing that siding. Julie and Robert worked with Kevin and Reggie Swartzentruber and Tom Wilson to have the wood siding and original features restored, repaired, and recreated, keeping as much original material as they could and relying on historical research when needed. Wayne Noisel of classical painting then painted the house in colors chosen from paint catalogs around the turn of the 20th century. Congratulations to Julie Hastings and Robert Chemetsky and to craftspeople Kevin and Reggie Swartzentruber, Wayne Noisel and Tom Wilson for this remarkable transformation.
4: All right. Thank you, everyone, so far. And we have a number of awards left to give. My name is Carl Brown. I'm a member of the Historic Preservation Preservation Commission, and I'm here tonight to present this year's award in the category of additions and new construction. Button. All right, good. Uh, 533 South Summit Street. Many historic homes begin to see changes when they acquire new owners. 533 South Summit Street had been altered years ago and sat quietly on the corner of Summit and Bowery until William and Heidi Burns began work on their new house. Since mid 2020, they have completed several mostly interior projects. The couple had planned to repair their existing garage and then the derecho hit. Already deteriorated, the storm broke framing and pulled apart bracing so that the garage was damaged beyond repair. The project became a demolition job followed by a new build. The new garage was built in the same location as the old garage and has the same footprint. Unlike the old garage, shingle siding was installed in the gables of the new garage, a detail that matches the house. The new garage is a foot taller than the the old garage, providing space for the roof structure and an overhead door opener. Our own Frank Wagner of the Historic Preservation Commission of Wagner Brothers LLC constructed the garage. Congratulations, Williams and Heidi, and congratulations, Frank. Very good. And now I will present this year's award in commercial rehabilitation. Commercial rehabilitation of the Union Brewery, 127 to 131 North Lynn Street. The Union Brewery is an Iowa City landmark that occupies the southwest corner of Market and Lynn Streets. It is the only remaining brewery building of the three brick breweries. It's a tricky (laughs) sequence of words there. Of the three brick breweries that operated in Iowa City in the area during the 19th century. The structure Built as a series of components was constructed between 1856 and 1879. The components are unified by similar scale materials and Italianate details, which include tall arched windows and an elaborate bracketed cornice. The building is owned by Mark Moen, Cynthia Parsons, Laura Mast, and the Barker Family Partnership. The owners consulted with Gary Kleinfelter, Ben Anzelk, and John Hills to complete preservation work that wrapped up in January of 2021. The project included the refurbishment of all windows, doors, frames, and trim on the first floor. Reclaimed materials were used wherever possible. Built-in roof gutters were replaced, and decorative soffits were repaired or replaced and repainted. Corbells were also repainted, and some, which were badly damaged, were reproduced and replaced. Delmar Yoder Construction of Kelowna, Iowa completed work on the gutters, soffits, and corbels. In addition, the front commercial doors and entry vestibule were replaced. Previous signage was removed from the building and new address numbers were installed. Brick and stonework were completed by Rob Smith Masonry of Iowa City. Congratulations to Mark Moen, Cynthia Parsons, Lauret Mast and the Barker Family Partnership, and to Gary Kleinfelter, Ben Anzilk and John Hills, and Rob Smith Masonry. We appreciate the great care you've taken with this rehabilitation project.
5: I'm Jordan Seligran, a member of the Historic Preservation Commission, as well. And I'm here tonight to present this year's Stewardship Award. Um, Public Space One is an artist-led, community-driven, contemporary art center. In the past 20 years since their founding, Public Space One has moved from a donated space above the Deadwood to owning three of Iowa City's landmark properties. All three properties were originally built as uh, single-family homes, and through adaptive reuse, PS1 is in the process of transforming them into contemporary community art spaces. A portion of this work includes altering spaces to be accessible to disabled people while retaining the exterior historic character of each property. As a community arts organization, they work with a frugal budget and employ volunteers where possible. Educational initiatives like upskilling lead to sho- leads to workshops and working with other community partners, such as uh, uh, Friends of Historic Preservation. As they told us, this has made the process slower than your average commercial build, but ultimately more rewarding and accessible. Taking in ownership of these buildings has allowed them to expand their community spaces. The large space of the Close Mansion, has allowed them to create a community event space, a reading room for the Center for Afrofuturist Studies, an artist in residence apartment, and a space for the LGBTQ Iowa archives, among others. And in response to our award, uh, PS1 wrote, as an organization that values the creative process not just for its ends, the endeavor of transforming these structures on an intentional and people sized scale aligns with our mission and the values we hope to share in these structures. So congratulations to Public Space One, especially John Engelbrecht, uh, Rich Dana, Willie Oxley, John Martinick, and Olga uh, Badovnik from Modern Roots Design, Build, and Peter Carell from OPN Architects for striving to create community spaces within Iowa City's historic landmarks. Um, Our own City Channel 4 worked with Public Space One to create a four-minute video about PS1 for tonight, so please enjoy.
6: My name is John Engelbrecht. I'm executive director of Public Space One. We are a contemporary artist-led arts organization. We've been a venue for people to go public with their creative service to the community. Public Space One in a lot of ways is an idea of community and in that way we've often been very responsive to whatever spaces we could inhabit and and there's never been a a deficit of ideas for ways we could program various spaces. In our time in Iowa City, we've been in church basements, we've been above bars, we've been in university buildings. So we started looking at um, spaces where we could invest in the organization in the long run. Public Space One came into possession of the two
7: North Gilbert houses before the pandemic. And you know they got a little taste of what it is to work on historic properties uh, with those houses. But then when the opportunity came for them to acquire the close house, you know, it just sort of took things to a completely different level.
6: With Public Space One having these three historic properties, we are really excited about the visibility they'll have in the community, and also the opportunity that these spaces afford to make people look at historic properties in a new way.
8: The upgrades that we've made to our spaces have improved the quality of life for both the building in terms of its, its being able to weather the elements and be kind of economic in terms of heating and cooling. But the care we show to the building also extends to our community, the community of artists who use those spaces and people who walk by and can see that that care kind of extending out.
7: And of course we want to respect the history of the building and the you know, importance of that to the city of Iowa City and the community and the neighborhood. Um, At the same time, we want to make it functional as a public art space and make it inclusive
6: and accessible. It's not always necessarily about just making everything exactly like it was in the past, but how do you take these historic properties and keeping them up, keeping them well-maintained still show them in a light that is very vibrant to the community, that gets people in the door to experience them.
8: We're a collaborative organization. That can be a really social thing, but now with these buildings, it also feels like a physical thing. Like we're collaborating with history. We're collaborating with what the spaces already have to offer.
7: You know, none of the projects that have been done on any of the houses could have ever gotten done if we didn't have just an incredible base of volunteers helping out. Everything from hanging drywall, to painting, to some carpentry work, people are coming in and participating on a lot of different levels.
8: The ethos that PS1 has had has been to see what's available around you, who's around you, what are the ways that you can um, pick up what's right here and make more of it, or make it meaningful, or make connections with it. and. So being in the his historic buildings has actually felt like another layer of that experience.
6: It's been an exciting project. It's been a very large project. We're still just at the beginning of it. And I'm also very much aware that this stewardship that we have is, is not something that's just a one or two year thing. This is we're we're taking a structure that is going to be 150 years old and proposing a use for it for the next 20 years, the next 30 years. For us, this historic preservation is both a constraint and also a prompt for how we make these resilient places for the long-term.
5: All right, thank you to City Channel 4 for, and Public Space 1 for that video. It was lovely. and. Um, this brings us to the end, I believe. Yeah, we can get on that oh, yeah, please do come up for your certificates, everybody. <laughs> All right, well, great job, everybody. Thank you so much for doing your part to preserve the history of our town. Um, Thanks for joining us tonight, and have a great night, and keep preserving. Thanks.